following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. with another edition of The Intentional Foul. Josh and Dan in Studio B with uh, two interns along for the ride. Thank you for housing my two gremlins while we lay this down. It's all right. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and uh, I like the qualifier. They're more than welcome at the Saunders household, <laughs> provided they don't mind a, yeah. an F-bomb or yeah, two. It's not G- We're not watching Bambi. <laughs> This isn't G-rated. Sorry. That's right. That's okay. <laughs> All right. A um, lot to get to on this uh, edition. Again, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us on Facebook or right, on uh, Twitter, at Podcast Foul. Uh, we're both on Twitter as well, um, at Josh Goldberg, at Dan Saunders. 104. 104. Let's start with the obvious. We hope to be joined by um, somebody that writes for a Pro Football Focus um, that covers the Chicago Bears. He has his own podcast. He writes for a Bears Wire, part of the USA Today Network as well. Lauren Cox, we hope to get him on. Um, but so far, he's been unreachable. I gave him the time. So hopefully, we'll call him in just a couple of minutes because there's some stuff that uh, can be talked about for the Bears. They were off this weekend. But the lead story, I think, on... Every sports site, show, whatever, today, as we record this on Tuesday, has been the officiating in the Packers-Lions game from Monday night. And I think rightfully so. You and I had a spirited conversation this morning, talked about it with uh, my cousin Michael as well. Um, And I don't know, you can lead off because you were obviously the hottest about it uh, of the people that I know. And you seem to be the most opinionated person that I also know, at least um, in the Janesville and local circles. So I, you want to, you want to well, take it? I mean, I know you have. Yeah, multiple I mean, thoughts. we can we can kind of run down the game and kind of go through it that way too. But sure. I mean, you know, from from my perspective, and it, it's always uh, uh, a tough thing for me being a bear fan, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, all my friends and people that listen to this know that I'm a bear fan. So anytime. I'm critical of the Packers. I get called the hater, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, completely ridiculous. If if you're a general football fan and a fan of the NFL, I don't care what team you root for. You should have been utterly disgusted last night with that. Um, flat out, the Lions got jobbed. Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure you know, Packer fans will have a completely different spin on that. You're going to get the whole, um, well, the Lions had plenty of opportunities. They kicked field goals instead of touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all true. Um, You can say that about every game in the history of every sport and every country that's ever been played in the history of mankind. Um, So that's kind of a tired argument to me. Um, The bottom line was the referees blew the game. Um, they blew they blew four really bad obvious calls that all went against Detroit. Um, the two in the fourth quarter, the two hands to the face calls are the ones that are getting the most publicity. Well, especially um, since the NFL came out today and said the second one, the second was one, incorrect, which is what I about what I expected. There, the NFL is never in the history of their organization prior to, and I believe going forward. They've never taken full responsibility. Why would they? They're going to take partial. Well, we got one of them wrong. We're going to gloss over the other ones that we missed, but we got this one wrong. Um, Just to kind of go through the game a little bit, um, I thought that, you know, Detroit came out early and wanted to take advantage of a banged-up Packers secondary, which they did. Um, you know, put 10 early points on the board. No Savage. They went right after yeah. King. They made and Redmond bite on the flea flicker immediately. And and that's something that we haven't really seen anybody do this year against them. Um, Minnesota was the perfect team to try that 
they were kind of in their they were in their early season. We're going to try to run the ball mode, and we we saw how that worked out for them. Um, but nobody else really. I mean, Philadelphia they they threw the ball on Green Bay, but they didn't really try to go deep on him much, and uh, and that was a little bit of a factor with Deshaun Jackson being out. But anyway, um, I was surprised that, to see the Lions come out that aggressively, frankly. I mean, that's not really their M.O., especially on the road. Um, but, you know, the Packers, I thought, did a nice job, especially defensively, of of holding the Lions to field goals. Um, which is kind of w- w- which which makes the argument of well the Lions had plenty of opportunity to score touchdowns. It's like well, but isn't the Packers defense good? So it's supposed to be, you know. So the Packers, you have to give the Packers credit defensively for keeping them out of the end zone. Um, they held them to under sixty yards in the second half. They did. They did. I thought the defense. I mean, if you take out those two long pass plays in the first quarter, the Lions really didn't do a hell of a lot offensively most of the night. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't run the ball, which was something that I thought they. You know, you you see the script that the Eagles put on them, and you thought, okay, maybe we can see have a little success against the well, running but game. You had them early pass completion, well, so we got to throw the ball right. Just our our favorite our favorite coaching yeah, conundrum that I we know. see every single week out of teams. Um. But I, I, I thought Rodgers played pretty well. You said you last night you thought it was his best game of the season. I thought, Fleur said the same yeah. thing. He said he thought it was his best game of the season. I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, I don't really have a lot to add. No. other than There wasn't really a lot of plays made in the game. My The overriding thing for me as a Packers fan watching critically of the team that I root for is that the pass catchers are doing the quarterback no yeah. favors. Yeah, the Aaron Jones drop on that on the oh in the end zone in the first half right was down the hash mark. About he, as bad as you'll see in the pros. I mean, Jimmy Graham couldn't come up with it. One went off. Um, uh, Shepard's face mask and was up in the air and it got picked off. He yeah, had a rough the, game for he, him. He had the problem with the punt yeah. as well. Lazard comes in. That's good. I mean, Jimmy Graham came up with one catch in the fourth quarter when you really needed him. Geronimo Allison had some early drops. Then he went out with an injury. Um, so, I mean, if it wasn't for Lazard, I mean, I don't know that the Packers win that game, even with those, those calls to their benefit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, and I saw a lot of stuff late last night. Um, I stayed up to watch the whole game because I'm an idiot. But and then I saw a lot of stuff this morning on they got to trade for a wide receiver. They got to pick up a wide receiver. They got to get somebody that can catch the ball. And it's like, I don't know how that's going to happen midseason. I know teams do trades. I mean, somebody sent yeah, there was one today. Yeah. Some Marcus some, Peters to right, the Ravens, Ravens from, from, right. from the Rams. So I mean, it's not unheard of, but I just I haven't gotten the sense that Gudekinst is really keen on offloading draft picks or got his guys in exchange for somebody else. And if you pick up a, a, you know, tier two wide receiver or a lower tier one guy, you're going to give up a lot midseason because other teams got you. They don't have to do anything. True, and and God knows that NFL general managers love them draft picks because it's just job security. Um, but, I mean, if the Packers were really serious about trying to win the Super Bowl and I was running that team, I would be trying to trade right now for A.J. Green. Yeah. 100%. That, if if that, it costs me a future first down the road, yeah. I'm not really concerned about that because I have a 35-year-old quarterback that needs to win right now. Yeah. Um, I saw what a Devontae Adams who, who missed the game. He said something today, which I, I saw that you – you subtweeted that they have the best one-two running back punch in the league with Jones and Jamal Williams, which, don't get me wrong, they offset each other and complement each other very well. It's good balance. But for them to be the two best guys in the league, I know you're supposed to have faith in your guys. That's laughable. I thought Adams had turf toe. I didn't know he was concussed. <laughs> so I'll have what he's having. Yeah. That, 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 I mean... Again, it's it's, but, it's but, like coaches. But this is like, and we'll get into it again because I want to talk about this China thing with the NBA again, but this is similar to the Daryl Morey tweet. Like, why do you have to put that out for public consumption? I don't understand. Who are you trying to impress? Are public you, are, support. Are you, trying to get, are you trying to get Williams and Jones to be your friend if you're Devontae Adams? No. Like, what is the point of the tweet? Because it's just factually incorrect. It's stupid. You sound like an idiot. Yeah. 
That's I, I, I don't that, get it. No, it's I mean it's it's public support. It's rah rah stuff for the fans. They like to be engaged, and I mean it's like anything on social media. Yeah, it's just you're you're looking for attention, and you're looking to create a conversation. And I'm sure I mean he he got you to do something. You got me to laugh at him. Well, that's not really the reaction. I don't think he was going for. No he was trying to pander. Well, and get Packer fans to go yeah, but he could say my farts smell like p- pumpkins. <laughs> And Packer fans would go, yeah. So I, again, I don't really get the point of the tweet. It's hey, just kind of stupid to I, me. I'm, I'm don't don't disagree. So, but let's get into this ref thing. Sure. Okay. Um, it flat out cost the Lions the game. The referees took the game. They took the opportunity for the Lions to win the game away from them. The call, mm-hmm. the the first call in the fourth quarter, the first hands of the face call. Mm-hmm was awful. Um, it was a third and long. Yep. Both of them were on third down. Rodgers was sacked. Yep. They were going to have to punt the ball with about 10 minutes to go. So the Lions were going to get the ball back up nine with about 10 minutes, nine and a half, 10 minutes to go in the game. Even if they go three and out, you're wasting two to two and a half minutes off the clock. Generally, if you're rolling now, the ball, now yeah. let's say you're down to seven when the Packers get the ball back. They now have to score twice in seven minutes. Instead, they kept the ball, got a new set of downs, got the yardage in the penalty, and scored within a minute. So instead of being a nine-point game, getting the ball back with seven minutes to go and having to score twice, it's now a two-point game. They're kicking off, and what did I tell you when that happened? Packers are going to win the game. The game was over. Yeah. Um, the second one was... Everybody is making it out to be the worst of the two. I actually think the first one was the worst of the two. But the second one, by making the call that they made, and the thing about it was it's the same referee yeah, it is. making the same wrong call yep. twice in a quarter. Mm-hmm. Is there not a guy that can tell these guys, guys, this isn't a penalty? Kornheiser and Wilbon talked about that today, and I just watched that before I came over. And they talked about the need for – Somebody at some point to be watching every every play right after it happens and before the next play, they have the ability to radio down and said, "You need to call a penalty on that, yeah, because or you need to pick that flag up, yeah. or something like yeah. that." Like there needs to be a constant. Um, I don't even know what the word I'm just a constant overseer right. of all this stuff and somebody that's at the game, not over in New York or LA or anything, a central hub of something that's watching every game. Mm-hmm. There needs to be somebody there with like six TVs, every angle watching every play immediately afterwards to check and see if there was something egregious, not thrown or thrown. Right. And, and just to finish the, that play by calling the penalty, they ended the game. It was either going to be the Packers were going to kick a field goal at the at the gun and win, or they were going to kick a field goal at the gun and miss it. Those were the only two things that were left mm-hmm. to happen after they made that call. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was the they 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 made the terrible call on the helmet to helmet where the guys diving to yeah. try to make an interception. For, for some reason, I didn't I didn't see that one, but 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 on the replays that I saw this morning, and then I look back at some tweets. That looked completely incidental. It's not in the spirit of the rule. You know, there was an egregious pass interference call that they didn't make, and I'm not going to get crazy about that because we see that every week. I thought that that wasn't as bad as it was made out to be. Yeah, I don't think it was as bad as the one they missed in the Eagles game. With Mm. with, uh, There was one where Jeffrey was interfered with that they didn't call, and then there was another one in reverse where a Packer was interfered with that they didn't call. Is that on the illegal pick in the end zone? I don't remember, okay. but it was it I, wasn't I mean, as egregious as those. He kind of got his arm across his chest. He didn't grab his arms and pull him away. There was there was contact, but it's not like he flat out clotheslined him and took him to the ground. Could it have been called? Yeah. Could it not have been called? Yeah. But I guess, and, and this is I'm trying not to be a homer. I really am. I'm trying not to drink the Kool Aid, even though you accused me of that this morning. It still, to me, is presumptuous to say that the Packers were going to win the game because of these calls. They still have to make plays. Detroit can stop them. There's plenty of time for Green Bay to make a mistake. There's plenty of time for Detroit to step up and do something. No, there wasn't. To, to say that they're, they were handed the game, the field goal could have been blocked. The snap could have been bad. 
I mean, there there was a lot of things that could have happened between every call. Yeah, well, lightning could have struck Mason Crosby. Well, I mean, fine. come on, man. You but, got at some point you have to be realistic and say when the referees make that call with with a minute to go in the game, and all you have to do is hand the ball off once, kneel twice, and kick a field goal. The Lions did not have an opportunity to win the game. It's not like last year in the NFC Championship game where that call was botched yeah. in the Saint game. They still had an opportunity to stop the Rams. Then they went into overtime. Then they turned. No, that didn't happen last night. The call was made. The game was basically over. There was one play left, and you either made the field goal or you didn't make the field goal. It really had no bearing on anything Detroit did. They did everything right on those two plays. And the referee screwed it up, and it cost them. It, it directly led to 10 Green Bay points, and you lose by one, man. It directly led to ten points. I just, I, I, it's not really arguable. I'm sure it is because a lot. Again, things can go wrong, but they We've called the penalty go wrong. But they called the penalty early in the fourth quarter. The Packers were going to have to punt. Yeah. Instead, they kept the ball and scored a touchdown. That's directly the leading to seven points. The guy could have fumbled the punt. You can't. You can't presume that everything is going to go right in a complete synopsis that leads to the 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 Lions winning the game because if the Packers had to punt if there was no call. You can't just assume that everything's going to go right. Somebody could have dropped the punt. There could have been more flags after that. You just can't assume everything's going to happen in a certain chain of events that's going to lead to an outcome. Yeah. Spo- you, spoken like the fan of the team that won. I, I would I, I would I just, say that on the opposite side even if we got job. I said it in week two. Broncos got fucked by the by the referees in that bear game. The Bears should be two and three. I'm not saying that the Packers should have won the game last night. I I told you that this morning. I'm not denying the fact that that the calls were wrong, that they were egregious, and it helped Green Bay win. I'm just saying you can't automatically assume because those plays happened that it's going to lead to a Packers victory. I you just I I don't think you can make that assumption. Mm. Well, I, I, did I, I, did it help? Yes, the the way chain of events happened. You took the ball out of Detroit's hands twice in the fourth quarter, and and they didn't do anything wrong to get the ball taken from them. That's true. That is true. I I, I mean, again, your argument, I I understand what you're saying, but it's the same argument as they could have scored touchdowns instead of field goals. You can say that about every game and every sport that's ever been played in okay. the history of the world. If yes. that's the case, then what are we doing? Why are we playing? What is the point? Because if it's all this, if it's just that, you know, and I think at the end of the day, your argument is different than mine because your your argument is players could have made plays, mm-hmm. right? Yes. My argument is the referee made the play. Yeah. The player didn't make the play. I the d- player wasn't given the opportunity to make the play. The referee made these calls, and I think what sticks in my craw the most as a Packer fan, or as a non-Packer <laughs> fan, is that this is the third game right. in Lambeau yep. that they have been the beneficiary of game-changing calls that have led to them winning the game. Okay, you bring up something that we talked about this morning, and I think that's a good natural segue to to this, is that you kind of insinuated that the... Packers are a team that may be getting some of this favoritism either by the league. I didn't insinuate it. I flat out said it. (laughs) And I'll tell you what. If anybody watched the Cowboy-Jet game Sunday Mm -hmm. afternoon, the Cowboys are another one of those teams. How many penalties in a row were there? Like seven in a row on the last drive when the Cowboys are down a touchdown. That's a joke. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not just the Packers. They're just in that group. Okay, so I guess I'm... I guess my question is that if, if that's your belief, I want to know some of like what you think is happening behind the scenes and where the directives are coming from that in key moments, NFL officials are directly ordered to either make phantom calls or bad calls to influence the outcome of the game. And, and, and you, you dropped a good name this morning in our conversation in, in Tim Donahue. So then do you think the entire league of officials in games, depending on which crew you have, is a whole bunch of Tim, Tim Donahue's that are somehow influenced to say that, 
yo, we need to we need to mess this up or we need to, you know, tip the scales or do whatever. No, of course not. Well, then I guess I don't understand. Have you followed the other major sports in this country? Yes. Okay. Do you think that Major League Baseball and the networks want a Brewer uh, Brewer Devil Ray World Series? Of course not, because it would do nothing for viewership. Do they want the Bucks and the Nuggets to play in the finals? Probably not. Of course not. This is the issue that has been going on for years and years in professional sports. I'm not saying that there's a guy sitting in the ivory tower in New York that's buzzing uh, the uh, the umpire in the fourth quarter saying, "Hey man, you got to make a call here going the Packers way." <laughs> of course not. What I'm what I'm saying is there are certain teams in all of these leagues mm-hmm. that the leagues would like to see succeed okay. for a variety of reasons. And there are ways that that can be done that are less than obvious to the casual viewer and calling fouls in basketball, balls and strikes in baseball, and penalties in football are the way to achieve that without the casual fan noticing. When Tim Donaghy was doing what he was doing in the NBA in the early and mid-2000s, there was some people that kind of picked up on it 99% 99% of the games that he did, you would never know. You would never know. Now, that was a little different because that was about covering spreads. Right. That wasn't necessarily about who wins, who loses. But, And I'm not saying these referees are on the take, although Desmond Howard did insinuate that on Twitter, and he is a Packer. Um, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things that when it happens to your team and your team wins, it's all great. And everybody, oh, yeah, God, oh, Aaron, do you see that throw Rodgers made in the fourth quarter? Well, it was a great throw, but he shouldn't have ever been able to make it because he shouldn't have had the ball. You can't lump me in with, with those clowns. I'm, 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 enough, I'm smart enough to be critical, but I'm just not getting the whole conspiracy theory thing on the fact that the league is favoring teams in one way or another, under the table or not, and they want other teams to lose, and they will directly try and get the outcome that they are hoping for if the situation presents itself. If it's a blowout, obviously they're not going to be able to do anything well, about it. And it's like I said, there, there's not they're not getting buzzed in the middle of the game. But, you know, it's one of those things where if it's close, who gets the benefit of the doubt? That's what I mean. Because if you want to say, because I saw some screen grabs of of one of the hands-to-the-face calls, and if you pause it at the right moment and you look at Bakhtiari, it might look like there's a pinky finger on his face mask. So, you know, you could say if you want to be, you know, oh, well, that was a good call, you could cite that. Well, it was close twice. Yeah. Who got the benefit? Well, and I and who I, got the benefit in the Viking game on the so-called pick in the end zone? Right. Who got the benefit of the of the call in the Bronco game? Oh, I'm I, I'm just saying. I'm man. not. And 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 again, this is. I mean, I'm probably a hundred percent wrong on that part. <laughs> okay. Sure, it's a conspiracy theory. Most conspiracy theories are wrong, but the bottom line is there is a pattern this year. Yes. And the pattern is favoring the Packers. Is this all because Clay Matthews fell on Kirk Cousins last year? Is this a makeup season for the for the NFL? Did they feel bad about that call last year? You know, I've I've seen people throw up. Well, this has happened to us. Don't you remember the fail, Mary? Yeah, that was replacement refs, not the same. Also, I don't really care what happened seven years ago. We're talking about right now. Uh huh. So, you know, whatever. I I just wish that uh, more fans of teams that win on questionable or nefarious things. I wish they would just be honest enough to say, yeah, man, you got bent over. The Lions got screwed. They got jobbed. We shouldn't have won. We did win. Because if you say that, the NFL's not going to take the win away. Packers are still going to be 5-1. and one. Yeah. So I, I don't get the I have to stand up for my team mentality down, yeah. because you're just wrong. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're just wrong. Okay. So. All right. That's fair. All right. Packers, and by the way, yes. replay is completely ruined oh, it's, it's, live it's, sports. It's, it's awful. It's it's top to bottom. It's terrible. Yeah. And and the Mike Greenberg, we just got to uh, get it right. Garbage. I couldn't disagree more. Human error is supposed to be part, part of, of the game. The game. Yep. If, you know, if we're going to, you know, I should be able to scream at the referee just like I should be able to scream at my quarterback if he throws a pick in the fourth quarter. 
Just get rid of get rid of replay, or else everything's reviewable. Because okay. they're even bringing it into the NBA now this year. There's a coach's challenge. It's like really, why, <laughs> why? What championship has ever been decided on a call? I've never seen it. I've watched the NBA for thirty years. I've right. never seen it. I don't understand it. So, okay, whatever. That's fair. All right. Let's move to the Bears. They had an off week, and for the first time on the intentional foul, we actually have a guest, an expert analyst. Yeah, our first guest. If if you will, I know. It's kind of nice. I work with him over at uh, Big Radio. He's in the newsroom. He does a podcast, Locked on Bears. He's an analyst for Pro Football Focus, Lauren Cox. Hello, Lauren. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on and doing this. Absolutely. Dan's the resident Bear fan of the two, and the Bears obviously off this week, so heading into the second half of their season, Dan's going to, we're just going to throw some some questions at you to see which general direction uh, this team is going, and Dan's hoping that it is up, but he doesn't have a lot of confidence. <laughs> I think I find myself in a similar place, so we'll see how this goes. So, Lauren, what what exactly is it that you do for uh, Pro Football Focus? Are you just uh, are you just doing stuff for the Bears, or are you kind of uh, ex- expanding throughout the league? So, I do a lot of college football in particular. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of games to go around. We're always kind of filling in wherever we need to. But I do I do a little bit of everything, but a lot of grading of, of college games. I had uh, Middle Tennessee at Florida Atlantic last weekend for a real thrilling matchup between two teams that no one cares about. But you know, just <laughs> Grading games and, and you know grading players and collecting data and you know putting all the analytics together that the teams use. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's let's hit some bear stuff. Um, they've had a little bit of news the last couple days. Um, I saw today. Uh, looks like Akeem Hicks is going on IR for eight weeks. Uh, Kyle Long went on IR, I believe, yesterday. Um, sounds like they're going to get Trubisky back next week, but you're you're losing probably the two anchors of both of your your lines. Um, in Hicks and Long, how do you how do you kind of see that playing out for the Bears going forward here? Well, I see them as having two very different effects, right? I think Akeem Hicks missing on the defensive line is a, a massive loss, and you know, a guy that even still doesn't get enough credit for how well he plays, you know, nationally. Even though he got to the Pro Bowl last year, he still is a, a dominant pass rusher in terms of being able to penetrate upfield and and really getting that interior pressure that's becoming ever so more valuable in the NFL nowadays and sort of taking advantage of some of the you know attention that's going to be going to Khalil Mack and, and others on the outside. The key mix has been excellent at, at taking advantage of that and also just dominating against the run and really being able to hold down the interior with Eddie Goldman to free up the linebackers behind him. So a, a key mix will be sorely missed by this defensive line. But I do think on the offensive side of the ball, Kyle Long because of the hip injury, has not been anywhere near the quality of player that we had come to expect from him throughout his career, and now four straight seasons on injured reserve. I have a feeling that, based on the Kyle Long we had seen in the last few weeks, him leaving the lineup could ultimately prove to be an upgrade if they get a veteran like Ted Larson in there when he's healthy. Maybe the Rashad Coward off the bench right now is kind of in line to take that spot. They haven't figured out exactly who they want to start there, but I have a feeling it could end up being an upgrade at right guard just because Kyle Long wasn't playing healthy, and it may end up marking the end of his Bears career. Yeah, I was wondering what you thought, if if maybe he's played his last game. I mean, it's almost like uh, you know these linemen, they get to that 30, 31-year-old mark. We saw it with the Packers with Sitton and Lang, Mm -hmm. where they let these guys go, and it's a big name, and and the fan base kind of goes crazy about it, but in reality, these guys have really, their production has dropped off so much, and like you said, with Long, you know, four straight years being on the IR, that's um, probably a big reason why the running game has struggled so much. Yeah, the writing really went on the wall with him last offseason when he agreed to a, a contract restructure to kind of stay with the team, and he took a pay cut for this year, and they bumped a lot of his money into the base salary for next year, so kind of setting things up to where he's going to cost a lot of money to keep on the roster in 2020, and the, the guaranteed money is quite minimal, so they can save a good I think $8 million off the top of my head if they release Kyle Long this offseason, and I have a feeling it will be much more uh, financially responsible to likely make a change there. What the hell's going on with Trubisky? <laughs> I mean, is, it, <laughs> is he just no good? Is this is this a naggy thing? Is, are you, is it a play-calling issue? 
I mean, what we've seen from him prior to the shoulder injury has been awful. And I'm worried that the shoulder injury is going to make it worse because he's he's going to be, it's, it's another thing on his plate that he's going to be thinking about and having to deal with. Like it feels like he's a quarterback that is, is thinking too much and has a little bit too much to kind of process. And, and on those plays when he's able to kind of turn off his brain a little bit and just play football and sort of feel the play, you know, you think like, fourth and 15 against the Denver Broncos in week two, just kind of turns it off, steps up, you know, just kind of feels the pocket and throws to an open Allen Robinson. And he wasn't necessarily thinking like, here's what my route concept is on the play. Here's what coverage we're facing. Here's what my protection is. He's just playing football. He's just seeing the open guy. He's extending the play, waiting for something to happen and seeing it and firing it and not forcing it or trying to think too much through it and holding on to the ball too long or anything like that. So I mean, there's some real there's some real issues in, in where he is as a quarterback. And you wonder if now in his third season, in his second year in Matt Nagy, how many of those things can really be overcome. And so it's, it's sort of a question. And I don't think the question anymore is, is this guy going to be a great quarterback? It's, it's how good of a quarterback can he be? Is this going to be, you know, putting the bears in quarterback purgatory and the, you know, the Andy Dalton style of quarterback or, you know, can he be something a little bit better or will he prove to be more like a Blake Bortles where you can feel pretty good about getting rid of him before making any kind of long-term contract extension? Oh, man. You, you I, got Dan to really wince when oh, he man. up there. I heard Blake Bortles and I got a small dry heave. <laughs> Jesus. Talking to Lauren Cox, he runs the podcast Locked on Bears. He's an analyst for Pro Football Focus. What else you got for him? I mean, what do you, is this a playoff team? I mean, I, their their schedule coming up is not friendly, and uh, with with the Packers getting literally every break in football imaginable here in the first six weeks, <laughs> and the Vikings look like they've kind of turned something around offensively. I mean, is this a playoff team for the for Chicago this year? I I think so, right? But it's it's still hard to tell. But I do think this is an NFC North that still feels, even though the Packers are five and one, it still feels fairly open, like in a sense that the Detroit Lions were maybe a few penalties and a few play calls away from winning on last night, Monday night, and if they'd won that game, they would be first place to the NFC North, and right. instead they're, they're in fourth place. Right. So the difference between first and fourth, fourth place was like three or four plays in, in one football game, so it feels like the, the gap between all these teams is, is as tight as ever, and so you know, it feels to me like the Bears are going to be one of these teams that finishes you know 10-6 and six or you know around that range, and that could be third in the NFC North, and that could be on the outside of a wild card spot, or you know, it could be tied for first in the NFC North. You know, it, it, it's going to be right in that line of like tiebreakers and how all these teams kind of shape out because all four of these NFC North teams, in particular, have played games where they look like contenders, and have played games where you have some questions about just how good they actually are. And I don't know if we're going to know how good they all actually are until we get real close to the end of the season. Well, that gives me a little bit of confidence. I've, you know, the last couple of weeks have <laughs> not been great to watch. I mean, even even the wins the Bears have so far, they're, they've been ugly, uh, other than the Viking one where they got the shutout. But um, I don't know, man. Going forward, it's they, they got some tough games, the Saints, the Chiefs, uh, Packers again. So um, I don't know. I, 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 I got to get as optimistic as you are maybe here going forward, I think. Well, I, I do think there's – a lot of room for improvement and there's sort of like a, a path to improve it, right? It's not like the bears are sitting here feeling like they're throwing everything they have on the table and they just aren't a good enough team, right? It feels like this is a team that isn't taking full advantage of the talents that they do have. And you haven't seen Trey Burton really be an effective weapon at tight end yet this season. You haven't seen wide receivers not named Allen Robinson really sustain any kind of success. I mean, Taylor Gabriel had three touchdowns against Washington, but, Two of those were for like one yard after the defense had set them up with turnovers right at the goal line. So it wasn't like big wide receiver performances. The running game hasn't gotten going at all. Tariq Cohen hasn't really been a, a big threat in the offense. So there's, there's all this talent, offensively in particular, that just hasn't been properly utilized, hasn't been able to be as good as we think it can be. So that tells you that there should be a lot of room for improvement in that regard. And Matt Nagy has put together... You know, some turnarounds that we saw last season when the team went and won within nine out of their last ten games or something like that. Like, but there's reason to believe that even if maybe Trubisky isn't the long, long-term answer at quarterback, he can still 
you know, get you to double digit wins. If the defense continues to play like a, a Super Bowl caliber defense that we saw at least through the first four games and not so much the fifth game, you know, the, the, the pieces are there and it's a matter of everything kind of coming together and happening at the same time. And I think there's going to be opportunities where we see that. It's just a matter of how often. All right, Lauren, appreciate you uh, taking a couple minutes with us, my man, and uh, for being our first guest on our uh, podcast. We definitely appreciate it. Well, I appreciate uh, I, I tried to be gentle with you guys on your first time. <laughs> I appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks, Lauren. I'm sure Josh will uh, compensate you at work one of these days. I'll, I'll set a can of soda on your desk or something <laughs> like that when we move forward. But, uh, yes, it was good for us, too. Thank you. Yeah, anytime, guys. All right. Thank you, man. That's Lauren Cox. The uh, His podcast is Locked on Bears. He's a pro football focus analyst, and uh, he is our first guest as uh, he drops off and we continue on. So a little bit, little bit better for you as, as a confidence, or are you just blowing smoke there? Uh, I mean, he knows his stuff, so... I'll take his word for okay. it. You know, the at the end of the day with this team, it's like any other team in football. It really boils down to your quarterback, and there's just nothing that I've seen this year that gives me a heck of a lot of confidence in All him. Right. So we'll see. All right, so we are uh, we're just over halfway through our normal one hour rundown. We got a lot to get to, so let's uh, let's keep going with the NFL just briefly around the league. A lot of teams looking down the barrel of the playoffs. Um, let's start in the NFC just because it's teams that we have talked about. Um, I don't know how the Niners are five. It's crazy. Like I, I'm, I'm week in the the last couple weeks, week out. I've bet against them finally going to get their first loss and people keep proving me wrong. Yeah. I thought that, uh, that Ram game on Sunday was going to be their first loss, but you know, their defense is doing the job. They're scoring just enough points. Um, you know, so hey, you got to give them credit. Five and zero to start the season is nothing to sneeze at, especially in a division where you've got uh, Seattle and the Rams, who are both pretty pretty quality teams. So yeah, I, I mean, I thought for sure the Rams that, like you said, that would be the game, and yeah, especially at home. But I, I was again, the Rams they're not drawn at that stadium, and it seems like every team that comes in. It's at least 50-50. It's not split. quite as bad as the Chargers, but it's well, not it's not good. No, it's not. So, um, Packers, we already talked about. They are um, five and one after that. They're they're looking down the barrel of the playoffs. The, the how are the Saints doing this with Teddy Bridgewater defense? What is happening? You got a good D. Wow, it's one of those things that nobody talks about because Drew Brees is your quarterback, right. but yep. they got a pretty good defense. Philly and Dallas are both at the 500 mark at three and three. The Seahawks are next at five and one. They had to rally to beat the Browns, so they're right there. Um, and then Carolina, which MVP, MVP, your boy Russell Wilson. Uh huh. Carolina's going to get Cam Newton back apparently um, sooner Ooh, rather than later. I think that's good news for the NFC. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like if you're four and two right now, I mean, I know you want to go to your guy, but right now. Aren't you going to ride the hotter hand? Oof, man, I'd be riding Christian McCaffrey. Well, man, that's for sure. And then the Vikings are 4 and 2 and like you said they're they're starting to, it looks like to, to they fi- looked, figure some things out. They looked Sunday the way they looked at times last year and what I thought they'd be this year. Mm-hmm. Um I know Zimmer really wanted to run the ball and I think they got a little too stubborn with that. That shutout in Chicago. Yes. woke them up. Thielen calling out Cousins kind of woke them yep. up. Um, Stefan Diggs think he wants to be traded anymore? Yep. I th- no, not after the game he just had. Right, you throw me three touchdowns, I'm I'm good. And in an interesting subplot, the um, the linebacker for the Eagles who called out Kirk Cousins oh, yeah. uh, prior to the game, yes. yeah, they cut him. I know they cut it's him today. Yeah. So, all right, so that's the NFC playoff picture. The AFC, the Patriots are still unbeaten, and that just always happens. Shannon Sharp said this this morning, and I found it fascinating. Okay. Tom Brady. In 16 of his 19 years as a starting quarterback for the Patriots, he's had a top 10 defense. And he's had one 13 of the last 14 years he's had a top 10 defense. That's incredible. It'd also be very helpful. You couple that with the dog shit division that you're in, I mean, come on. (laughs) Just another factoid to to build my case of how Tom Brady is not. The greatest quarterback of all time. You didn't say that like Shannon Sharp, but we can work on that. Well, let me let me let me tell you something, Skip. Oh, let me tell you something there, Skip Bayless. Ravens, Texans, and Chiefs are all four and two. Um, Chiefs just had their second straight loss. 
Um, Buffalo's right there at four and one. Yeah, and, and they're going to be five and one after this week. Who do they play? Uh, they got the uh, the the mighty mighty Dolphins. John Barry special. <laughs> we gotta have him on at some point. We will explain. We gotta wait till the Dolphins are like zero and fourteen before he, we have him. He's on. really looking forward to Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> Uh, and then the Colts and the Raiders are right there, three and two. I think everybody expected Oakland, and again, only through their first five games, they're above five hundred. There's still plenty of time for it to go south, but I think they're doing a lot better than a lot oh, of yeah. people expected them a, a year before they. Had well, to Vegas. I think you're seeing the Derek Carr that they thought they were getting a couple years ago, and they gave him all that money. You know, maybe you don't have to. You don't necessarily have to be Pat Mahomes, but you got to be able to make some plays. But now you actually get a quarterback guy to coach you, right? That, that, that helps, too. That probably helps. All right, so week seven starts on Thursday. Um, Chiefs at Denver. Um, Chiefs are reeling a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And yeah. Denver, they just did they just shut out the Titans? Yeah. Oh, my God. What Mariota I mean, got benched. Seriously. Yeah. What? So Could you imagine that game and that, that Dolphin-Redskin Dolphin. game? I, I wanted to hate oh watch that game. And I told you I wanted to watch Seattle and the Browns over whatever other game Fox Vikings, or CBS think, yeah. Yeah, threw at me because I I don't know. I just thought the storyline was better, even though I, it was somebody in the division. But I really wanted to hate watch the Dolphins and 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 the Redskins just to see how awful. I mean, they had guys doing stuff that I've never I don't, that I've never even heard I don't of. think I saw any highlights of that game, so I'm not even sure it actually happened. <laughs> well, somebody's got their first win, and somebody is still winless, so it, it – Technically did. Uh, we didn't even need to touch on Miami and Buffalo. That's in Buffalo. That's a doggy one. Miami then is not. Next one's garbage. Jacksonville. Jacksonville uh, maybe Gardner Minshew will have a really, really good game against the Bengals. I don't know. Um, okay, now what are these asterisks? Well, that, these that, are just kind of the, the big games of the week. Okay. Um, Vikings at Lions. Yes. Detroit um, needs to bounce back. Minnesota needs to keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so both of these teams need this win. You know, if the Vikings get themselves to five and two, you're looking not only good in the division, you're looking good in the conference. Right. So, yep, that's a big one. Uh, Oakland visiting the Packers. Uh, the Texans are at the Colts. That's a battle for for first place in that division. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Cardinals and the ooh, at the Giants. Okay. Danny Dimes versus Kyler Murray. Pass. <laughs> 49ers on the road at the Skins. Yeesh. There's some bad games this week. There is. And then the Chargers, what is going on there? I don't know. At the Titans, and you already had a benching, as mentioned, with Mariota, and the Chargers can't seem to play properly. Um, The Bears hosting the Saints. That's going to be a really good game. Is is that an afternoon game? It is. 3.30 game. Yep. Yep. That's uh, going to mess with your schedule. It is. But, yeah, I mean, that's (sighs) – you hate to say a must win for the Bears – uh, they were three and three last year and ended up going twelve and four, but just the way the season's played out, looking at their schedule, and then like Lauren said, you're you're looking at the other teams in the division. Um, I'm not sure the Bears can afford to fall three games behind Green Bay um, after what six games mm-hmm. and and be able to catch up. Seattle had to rebound to beat the Browns, and now the Seahawks host the Ravens. Who did they face two weeks ago where I thought it might be a blowout and it wound up being way closer? Who's who? Seahawks. They were at home, and I and it wasn't the Cardinals, was it? I can't remember. Well, they played the Rams a couple weeks ago and beat them, so I don't yeah, think it was I, that one. I but a, I got a bad memory. But, see, I mean, it seems like Seattle, every time they, they really flex their muscles, you're like, this is a really good team, then they struggle with somebody. Well, it's their and, style of play. They, right, you know? and they and they just have to either come from behind or they barely hold on to a lead. Or so, they're, they're not just taking teams to the woodshed. I mean, he, Wilson is really kind of taken over for Rodgers in terms of, like, um, Mr. Clutch? No, nah, the, they go as he goes. Yeah. Like, if he plays poorly, they got no shot. And that's kind of – the Packers had been that way for the last five or six years where, you know, if Rodgers struggled, it was very hard for Green Bay to win. And, I mean, Russell Wilson is just – you know, he's made play after play this year in crucial situations. And um, believe me, I it's not a guy that I want to be blowing smoke up his ass, but it's undeniable. The oh, guys have been having a great good. season. Yes, no, I, and it's showing in the team record. Uh, Philly at Dallas on Sunday night. My question was, and I was watching this game a, a little bit with with Jane, and we were both talking to each like, how many times has everybody said, "Well, Garrett's going to get fired," and he never gets fired ever. Well, it's, I don't think there's any way he will ever get fired during the season. Okay, I think that's a 
that's an after the fact deal. But I don't know. J- Jerry Jones just seems like one of those owners that you, he seems like he would have a tolerance up until a point. And and yeah, I you think I, so, right? Right. And I don't know why all of a sudden he wouldn't just say, "I've had it. We can't do any more of this." Something needs to be done. He just seems like one of those guys who has and wants so much control as the general manager that he would just not be afraid. Okay, done. Pulling the plug. Well, we know he's got a long leash with players because he's given troubled guys multiple chances. Multiple yep, chances. Right. But Jason Garrett's is not like a personality flaw. The guy's just not a very good coach. That's what I would think. And I, I, I'm just surprised you spend that kind of money that Jones spends and and. You're just gonna live with these I, these nine and seven. I don't know. I don't know. Right. That's that's what surprising. Yeah. All right. And then the Monday night game Whittle, is uh, the Patriots at the Jets. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be watching a baseball game that night instead. Right. All right. So that is our look at the NFL. We we chewed up a lot of time talking football. So let's move to baseball before we dive back into. Oh, the it's been ranks. so fun. <laughs> <laughs> this this baseball playoff, man, it's uh, really the only thing in sports right now that I'm in a good mood about. Yeah, because the Cardinals is just are watching the Cardinals and Yadier Molina get his brains bashed in by the Nationals. <laughs> it is so much fun. Well, right now, I mean, you got your top two or three guys, and I don't know if anybody else in the postseason can match what Strasburg, no, Scherzer. No. Uh, the only team that can match is Houston with Granke, right, Verlander, and, and Cole. Cole. Um, but the Nationals are the Nationals were hotter than hell to end the year. They they pulled that one out against the Brewers, yep. which just kind which, of a, it, it there, kind of amplifies that, the hotness. Yes, and then you go in and you just beat the hell out of the Dodgers. So for them to be up three to nothing in a vacuum, it's kind of surprising. But if you've looked at the last month or six weeks of baseball, they've been the hottest team in the National yeah. League. They've oh, been no, really really yep. good, and you got guys like Howie Kendrick yep. who is a cast off. He's just Banging doubles off the wall. Ryan Zimmerman, who's, you know, he's the Nationals version of Braun. He's the 35, 36-year-old he's, franchise he's guy. Been he's been there forever. He's getting huge hits. So, I'm not a Nationals fan. Um, well, you are for this series. I certainly am for this series. And I think going forward, um, you know, considering I love when a team loses a guy like a Bryce Harper. And does better. Who is all about the style and all about the diviness. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. But when you when you see those guys go away and then the team rises to a new level it's because a it's just a little bit of Ewing theory it, going it, on. It there. is. The the pressure's off and that guy's just not there. I, I I I root for that. I like that. Okay. All right. So they're gonna go for the sweep as we record uh, tonight here uh, probably about an hour or yeah. so. Uh, and then the Yankees and uh, the Astros. Game three is going on yeah, right it should, now. Should it, it started a little after three in the Bronx. Series tied at one game apiece. And we got four nothing Astros in the seventh. Okay. Here, so that's, and that, that's and looking that's, good. That's in the Bronx, so they can take uh, they can take home field. Astros Nationals would be a fun series. I wouldn't you'd, mind you'd, that at all. It'd be something you've, you've never good seen. Pitching. Yes. You know, good teams, pitching on both sides. That would be a lot yep. of fun. Absolutely. All right, um, one little Brewers note. I saw they're not bringing back Sabero, the first base coach. Mm-hmm. They're bringing everybody else back. Yeah. I mean, he coached infielders. Is that, I mean, does that do well, anything that, for you? It sounded like that was the issue. Um, they wanted a different person in there to work with uh, Arcia and uh, Keston Hira, Hira up the middle. Sure. Um, Arcia regressed a little bit. Hira's obviously got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll promote somebody from within or, or go out and sign somebody, but, you know... Yeah. Okay, let's dive back into football. Uh, the college ranks, the Badgers up to number six, thanks to a couple of losses in the top ten, and a 38 to nothing shellacking that we watched here outside Studio B on Saturday. God, that was just ridiculous. I love, I love it. Yeah, but yeah, you and I both talked, you know, at length during the game. I can see a Badgers defense being good enough to shut this team out, but I didn't think that Michigan State's defense would allow so many points um, and even, you know, the, the defense scoring for Wisconsin, I would have expected a 10 nothing, 13 nothing, something like that. Right. Not 38 right. to nothing. And I don't know if that's indicative of how far Michigan State has fallen or what kind of level the Badgers have risen to or a little bit of both. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, but I think you got to give the credit to the Badgers. I mean, Michigan State comes in with the top-ranked quarterback, top right. passer in the Big Ten, the Big Ten and yeah. I think at halftime he had like 25 yards. So, um 
whatever whatever Jimmy Leonard is cooking up uh, mm-hmm. for for Bucky right now is working. It's it's been a really impressive start to the season. Badgers are going to go to Illinois this week. Um, Michael thought that this is going to be one of those trap games. Play, sure. play tough. Illinois can score points, but again, this is a Badgers defense that is ranked first in nearly every statistical category in the nation. Um, I don't know what the line is right now, but they're looking down the barrel of an Ohio State uh, road game in Columbus uh, coming up a week from Saturday. And uh, Michael did bring up the fact that Ohio State has a very pesky Northwestern team that they play on Friday this week. And that the only the only thing that says to me is that the Buckeyes get an extra day to prepare for the Badgers. Yeah. Um, why does it bother Badger fans so much that this game is at 11 o'clock it, and not at 2.30 it, or 7? I don't think it bothers me so much as the fact that it's, that it's a bad, that, that, that I'm a Badger fan. I just thought that if you have a six matchup with an eight matchup as it's, no, four and six, as it stands right now, I would have thought given the gravity of, of the matchup that, College football likes to place those games in the 2.30 slot or a primetime slot. You would brought up a good point in the fact that World series, have, the World Series will be on Fox. And I didn't yep. I didn't look that far yep. ahead. And uh, our buddy Joe pointed out that Fox has had a really good uh, run of 11 a.m. games as far as viewership is concerned. And you brought up a couple of potential matchups that could steal those 2.30 slots away. So... I mean, in hindsight, then, it doesn't look to be so far-fetched, but I think the knee-jerk reaction is, what, are you kidding me? Like, like Wisconsin wants to be nationally recognized. They want to be thought of with the big boys. Now they get a chance to face a top-five team um, in Ohio State on the road, and they're getting the low end of the totem pole at 11 a.m. I think that's just the knee-jerk. Now, when you break it down on all the reasons that we just talked about, I'm fine with it. That's fine. Sure. But... I I'm, I I don't think it's insulting. I would have just thought a little more weight would have been lended to that game. It just was funny to see all the people online whining and crying, whining yeah. and crying about it. And it and it, you know, it it feeds into my my one of my favorite things that I've created the yes, the WSFIC, <laughs> the Wisconsin Sports Fan Inferiority Complex, <laughs> which is just something that especially when it comes to the Badgers. Um, People around here just really, really like to play the we're getting disrespected and nobody believes in us and blah, blah, blah. And it's well, like, dude. To me, they, haven't, lot, earned, they haven't earned any. Well, there's a lot of other factors that are at play that have nothing to do with the Badgers. Right, and that's and, and that's why I'm fine with that. You know? That's, that, that's why if you take a step back and if you would explain that to everybody, which I'm sure nobody has looked that far ahead or looked at the matchups, then they might say, oh, well, okay. Then at the mind. end of the day, it's great because at two thirty, it's over, and I can go out and mow my grass. <laughs> I love that you just want to go do other. I got stuff. shit to do. Right. Uh, we're, we we talked a little bit about this. Where you got Jonathan Taylor and your all time Badger running back? Second, you got him second. Second, huh? I have him. I have. I think he's more versatile than Monty Ball. That that he that that he jumps him. But nobody to me, unless they put up the numbers and have the career, and has nothing to do with the pros. I think just while they're at Wisconsin, nobody's beating Ron Dane. I think Taylor right now, if I mean, if he stays, obviously, I think easily he could pass him, even without a Heisman. Um, he does so many more things. He's got a different skill set than Dane does. Um, but right now, he's he's second for me. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, he's not going to ever have the cumulative numbers that Dane had. Um He's he's certainly a better, more well-rounded back. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near the domination, though. No, I mean we were we, we were laughing the other day talking about some of those games where you know Dane had like 320 yards against San Jose State, and he and was the, out before the fourth quarter. He didn't even play the fourth quarter in in the bowl game his freshman year, right. and it's like the guy didn't even play the first three games of that year, and he still had 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon. Brian Calhoun, yep. Anthony Davis, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. I mean, they, they've had they've a, had a lot, lot. PJ Hill. Yes. I mean, Clay. You've yep. had a lot of really good backs. Moss, Fletcher. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Jonathan Taylor to even be in the mix, it's pretty impressive. Yep. All right. So Badgers in Illinois coming up on Saturday. Uh, college hoops. Uh, Practice has started. I was surprised that over four thousand people went to that red white scrimmage on Sunday. Um, Surprised four thousand people didn't wind up hanging themselves from the rafters after that shooting display the Badgers put on. Sweet Christ! So somebody asked, like, 
like did the game last like two minutes? Is that why there was such a low score? <laughs> well, they only, I think they only played a half. Two ten minute two ten sessions. minute sessions, yeah. right? But um, I mean, we can we don't have time to go into the 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 uh, Micah Potter thing, but. He's not going to be available until until no. December, and that's another NCAA thing that people have just jumped on. Um, of course, I didn't know the stats for Reavers. That's yeah, I saw it in the journal. Yeah, that's uh, awful. Zero for eight from the field. Zero for four from three for uh, Reavers. The the entire team combined was three for twenty four from three, <laughs> six assists and sixteen turnovers. Got some work to do. Yeah, I mean Reavers isn't going to go zero for his life. Oh, I mean no. the guy can shoot a little bit, yeah. but um, you know, and I was texting with a buddy who's a big badger fan today and you know we were just kind of talking and you know i said man if, if if brad davidson is your best guy you're gonna be in for a long year it looks like it's right now shaping up to be a lean forward you just hope reavers can put up more than what he did yeah in in, in the scrimmage so all right um first game is i think they play saint mary's their first game but i'm not sure if it's mid-november late november i can't remember all right, switch to the pros. Bucks are undefeated in the preseason. Yay. <laughs> well, whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Um, Bledsoe's going to be out with a rib injury. Yeah, he, he busted the cartilage between right. the ribs. Yeah, you, you, you break the cartilage Which there. people have said is actually more painful, painful. than breaking the bone. bone. Yeah. yeah I, I've never broken any cartilage that no. I know of, but... Yeah, apparently you can bust that up. So I think he's so, he's out up to a month, but they kind of came out and said it's basically it's a pain tolerance sure. thing. They could throw a flak jacket on him or something Give him if a they want. Zone shot or a, something like that. All right, you're gonna have to tell me who these two players. Yeah, are because uh, I have no idea. Dragon Bender, uh, 21 year old kid. He was the fourth pick in the draft three years ago. Um, the the Bucks signed him on a on a non guaranteed deal this summer. He's been really really good in the preseason. Um, seven footer, uh, foreign kid. Uh, Croatia, Yugoslavia, one of those Somewhere over there. A um, lot of potential. Don't I don't expect him to contribute much, especially the first half of the season. I think they got to get him acclimated. But you know, this is a kid that if they keep him around, I mean, he's only twenty one. You know, in another year or two, he could be kind of um, kind of what Ursan is for them now. And uh, Frank Mason, uh, the third player of the year at Kansas in twenty fifteen, he's uh, uh, on a two way deal. And he's going to start the season on the active roster with Bledsoe out. He's really kind of the de facto backup right now, which usually would kind of scare you, but the guy's got a good pedigree. He's, mm-hmm. he, he's got about 80 games in the NBA under his belt with the Kings. So um, they both look solid so far. And uh, I think the coolest part about this, I was watching him the other night. This is just a, and it might sound weird to say, this is a professional team. Okay. There's no dinking around. They don't have any wild characters other than Robin Lopez, who's a little goofy, but it's but it's, I like it's, that. it's it, harmless it goofiness. It adds a little flavor, yeah. and, it, and it doesn't keep them so straight-laced. But they ran a lineup out the other night. Uh, it was um, George Hill, Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, and the two Lopezes. All five of those guys have been in the NBA for at least 10 years. So you're talking about... You know, you, you've you're you're you've got your younger stars in Giannis and Middleton and Bledsoe. We know that, but to to have that kind of experience and professionalism on the team, to go along with the professionalism that those three guys have shown in their career. I mean, you've never heard a bad thing about Giannis or Middleton in nope. their time in Milwaukee. Nope. Um, Bledsoe had his little kerfuffle in Phoenix, but it was a dumpster fire. He just wanted out. Right. So, um, so it's exciting. I, the Bucks are going to be really good this year. Um, I know I've, I've said it a couple times. I am still going to do my NBA preview. I'm going to get it done this week. Okay. Um, and I'll get a little bit more in depth on that. Okay. So. All right. Um, <laughs> you talked a little bit about last week when the whole thing with, uh, with the rockets and, and China broke and you kind of, you, you broke that down very nicely for people that don't follow that as closely, um, in layman's terms. And it got a little bit deeper, um, with the comments, were they yesterday or were they on Sunday from LeBron yesterday. James? Yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I, I followed a little bit, and I, I had a little bit of my ear to what the, t- the talking heads were, um, were saying, but it seems like a bad situation now has basically just not been allowed to try to be solved or just kind of fade away. It's just it kind of got gasoline thrown on it. A little bit. Um, you know, 
everybody knows I'm a basketball guy. I'm a huge NBA fan. So at my core, I'm just disappointed in in all of this. I'm disappointed in how the NBA reacted to what happened. I'm disappointed that Daryl Morey picked a bad time to send that tweet out that he sent in support of Hong Kong. Um, I'm not surprised at all by the comments that LeBron made. No, because he's got business over there. LeBron James. And he's in bed with Nike. At the end of the day, he is the same narcissistic, selfish, greedy athlete that everybody else is. I don't really, you know, I don't really care what his political affiliation is. I don't really care what his opinion on guns or the president or whatever. I don't care. I don't really even care what his opinion on this is. Um, but he said some things yesterday that I, I I think I think yesterday was the worst day of LeBron James's career as a professional. I think it was worth I think yesterday what he said and the repercussions that I think are going to follow, I think are going to end up being worse for him than the decision in twenty ten when he went to Miami. Um there's already been uh postings and things on the news today of uh people in Hong Kong Burning uh, jerseys. Basically protesting LeBron James. Yep, bur- burning his jerseys. That's right. And for, for those of you that don't know, I'm just going to read a couple of the, the snippets from uh, his comments yesterday okay. when he was asked about this. He said that um, he believed that Daryl Morey was uninformed. Yep. He said, we talk about freedom of speech. Yes, we all have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others, when you're only thinking about yourself. So he's inferring that that Daryl Morey was only thinking about himself, himself. which is kind of antithesis of what the whole thing is about because he was actually tweeting support for other people. Correct. LeBron went on to say, I don't believe and I don't want to get into a word or sentence feud with Daryl Morey, but I leave he wasn't educated on the situation at hand and he misspoke. So many people could have been harmed, not only financially, there's the key there word, you go. but physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Well, just to let you know, LeBron, people are being harmed physically, emotionally, and spiritually all throughout China and in Hong Kong. Um, he also went on to say, "Be careful what we tweet and we say what we when we say what we do. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, there can be a lot of negatives that come with that too." He also went on to talk about his. His team had a rough week last week while they were in China, and it was a lot for them to go through. And that Daryl Morey should have probably waited another week to send that tweet Before out. They, well, so they could leave? I, I get what he's saying to a point there where you've got American basketball right. players on foreign soil. You don't want to make a situation dangerous in a communist, for them. In yep, a communist right. country, they can throw every one of those guys in jail because they feel like it. Right, that's right. So I get that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But to call Daryl Morey uninformed, look, the guy's got a, uh, a degree from Northwestern. He's got a uh, master's from MIT. M- MIT, yeah. This is not a stupid person. He's got people that he's friends with and close with that are currently living and residing and watching what's going on in Hong Kong. Um, so for him, for a basically a high school dropout, to tell the American public that Daryl Morey is uninformed, that's a joke. Um, I I would say LeBron's probably uninformed about gun violence in this country. I think he's probably uninformed about things that go on in the White House that didn't stop him from calling the president a bum. What whatever you I don't care what your political affiliation is. Listening to this show, he called him a bum. He did. He wasn't worried about any repercussions. Because he knew that the repercussions financially were going to be good. Because he had <laughs> Nike behind him to promote all of these little uh, things that he wanted to promote. The Trayvon Martin thing. They wore the shirts for uh, the I Can't Breathe for the guy that oh, was yeah. choked by yep. the policeman. Mm-hmm. And look, that's great. You can do that. But when then this other issue with China pops up and you say the things that you said, most people... And he got killed for all of this on social media and on most sports shows today basically you're just pretty much reinforcing what i kind of always thought of you was that at the end of the day you're just protecting the bag you're just worried about your money um this is a dude that is signed with nike nike does billions upon billions of dollars of of um business with china lebron james what has he got coming out next summer 
movie. It's got Space Jam 2 coming out. Where do you think those movie studio execs want that to be released? Yep, over there where where they love the NBA. Where they love the NBA. It's a cartoon, and they're going to make half of a billion dollars releasing it into Chinese studios if, if it's approved, and it will be approved if LeBron James kowtows to China. Um, so it, at the end of the day, it, it just really comes off as hypocritical. Um, I've always thought that the Muhammad Ali, LeBron James comparisons were, were insulting to Ali and laughable to the rest of yeah, us. I mean, I, I mean, LeBron James has given up nothing to say the things that he said. Where's the oppression that LeBron no, he's, is facing? He's that, actually that benefited yeah. from the things that he said right. as opposed to Ali, who was stripped Who's of his title. Who's making those comparisons? I've heard a lot of people on TV and That's on radio ridiculous. make those comparisons. Um, yeah, I, I saw somebody today. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was an Asian-American uh, journalist that said, you know, LeBron James stands for social justice as long as the social justice is for people that look like LeBron. So it's it's interesting. It's right. it's something to think about. Like I said, at the end of the day, it's just disappointing as a basketball fan that this is going on. Um, I, I can't wait for next week to start when the games get back going again so we can just right? move on. Yep. Bucks and Rockets. Bucks and Rockets. Yep. Um, you know, and, and people that criticize Michael Jordan for many, many years for never taking a stand, well, this is why. Because – you're not informed as an athlete. You just got too much other stuff going on. And instead of pissing off half of the people, if you just keep your mouth shut, you piss off less. So, All right. That is the intentional foul for this week. Good stuff as we wrapped up with uh, the whole China thing and uh, very good on you for, for Hopefully break, the last time break, we got to talk about down. it. Yeah, it's, I, but it's unless an somebody interesting else does story. something stupid to put it, I mean, like they like they do on social media where they just say they don't want something to die, they just put bump, and it goes right back up to the top of, of everything. Well, and so. the thing that kills you is that he his comments that came out last night, they had 10 days to come up with this, and that was what they came up with for him. His PR team, the Lakers, doesn't seem like doesn't the smartest seem, no. like people working for you on how to approach that, especially with the fact that you're getting crushed. So, like I said last week, I just want to watch a goddamn Bucks game. <laughs> uh, you can enjoy that. I can't because Dish Network, the Fox Sports Regional Networks, are never coming back. Man, apparently. I'd awesome. be I'd be getting new TV service. Glad that they reached a deal with the Big Ten Network and FS1 and FS2, so I could get get the Badger beat down. But that's a whole different. We can get into Ugh, sports networks stupid. and TV coverage and all that. But again, greed, money. Yeah, that's it. Whatever. That's, that's all it is. All right. I'm Josh. I'm Dan. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Fall. Thank you for listening and subscribing. If you made it the whole way through, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you next time. Go Bears.